Our Father, we thank you that you're a trustworthy God. That you say that you'll never leave us and never forsake us. And we know that this is a very good thing because we do need you. We do confess that we like to be independent. We, at times, are rebellious. We like to do our own things rather than submitting to you. Lord, I pray today as we study your word, as we look to see the way that Jesus taught us to pray, that you will help us to see with fresh eyes our need for you and that you will help us to submit to you in all things. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you saw, but during that prayer, both of my kids were up here around my legs. Um, It's one of the fun things about being a parent is you never quite know what to expect. Uh, But one of the other joys of being a parent is being able to teach your kids, being able to see your kids grow and develop. And one of the things that Shelley and I desire more than anything else in our kids is they will grow to be a man and a woman who love God wholeheartedly. And wherever God leads them in life, that they would be serving him and bring his kingdom to come in this world. That's one of the things we pray about a lot. It's one of the things that we really seek to work with them on is to help them grow in that heart for God. And last Sunday marked, for me, a milestone in terms of Micaiah's development. Um, Not sure if it was really deep heartfelt in him, but for me it was heartwarming at the very least. It was the first time that I have heard him in church sing wholeheartedly during a song. Now, he loves to sing. Uh, His life is kind of like a musical, where constantly he's going throughout the day, he's singing songs that he's known, that he has heard in church, maybe that he's heard on CDs or DVDs, that he's heard on the internet, uh, that he's heard other people sing other places. He he makes up a lot of his own songs. But in church, usually he's just kind of quiet. He's taking it all in. If you sit in the first few rows, well, really on the, the front half of this side, He's observing everything that you're doing during church, especially when we're singing. But we also know that he's listening to the music. Because even if we sing a song for the first time on Sunday, we go home for lunch, and he's singing that song almost word for word. So he's taking it all in, but rarely does he actually sing along with the songs here on Sunday morning. But last Sunday, the closing song that we sang was All to Us. And it's one of his favorite songs. And so during the song last Sunday, I was sitting here holding him and he's belting out in my ear the chorus of the song um, about let the glory of your name be the passion of your church. And he knows it better than I do because I can't really quote it confidently after that, but he could. But it's so heartwarming just to have him, I mean my my now four-year-old son, singing along uh, praises to God right in my ear as I'm singing along as well. It's very heartwarming. Now, one of the other things we're trying to teach our kids is how to pray. And we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, in, in the last couple of months, Micaiah has begun praying quite a bit uh, for our meals. We have that practice of praying for our meals um, each time we sit down uh, at the dinner table. And Micaiah has begun praying for meals more and more frequently recently. But, but it's very interesting to observe the trends in these prayers. Shelley and I kind of get a chuckle out of it, but it also requires a little bit of correction at times as well because... Well, you know, anything can come out of his mouth, and a lot of it is very cute. But one of the things we've observed is that the vast majority of his prayers are what can be called supplication, praying for things. Uh, I mean, his prayer for the meal would be, God, um, we pray for this, we pray for that, please do this, please do that. And we've had to correct him a little bit and help him understand, you know what, it's very valid to pray for things. But we also need to understand that prayer is much bigger than just supplication. It's bigger than just praying for things, because prayer can also be in the form of praise. We need to thank God, especially as we're sitting down at the dinner table, thank God for the food that he has provided for us. 
And so it's been very encouraging to see him grow, but we continue to pray that this won't just be an activity that he goes through. They won't just be going through the motions of doing these things that pertain to God, but they'll sink down deeply into his heart. But on these topics of prayer, we recognize that prayer is something that is almost universal, uh, at least among humans in America, and I think really around the world. Yes, there are a few people who intentionally do not pray, but if you look at studies and statistics, you will find that the vast majority of Americans claim to pray on a regular basis. Even if they don't attend church, even if they don't call themselves a Christian, they still pray. It's just one of those natural human things that we pray. But it's interesting that even though prayer is so prevalent, it's one of those things that makes people feel very inadequate oftentimes. People oftentimes, if you really get in a conversation with them and they're honest, they, they, they express feelings of, of a lack of confidence in their prayers. They don't know if they're doing it right. They don't know if God's really listening. Maybe they feel like they don't pray enough. And so it's interesting how even though prayer is so prevalent and we realize it's so important, we oftentimes feel inadequacies revolving around prayer. Well, that's one of the reasons that we're going through a series right now on the Lord's Prayer. And I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6 if you would like to follow along. Matthew 6 is one of the places where the Lord's Prayer is found. It's actually found in two different places. The other place is Luke chapter 11. And if you looked over in Luke chapter 11, you would see that there where where the Lord's Prayer occurs, it occurs in response to a question that Jesus' disciples asked. Because apparently Jesus' disciples felt inadequate in their prayer life as well because they asked Jesus, Jesus... Can you please teach us to pray? And and Jesus taught them to pray by giving them a template or a model prayer, which we know is the Lord's Prayer. And and we're in a series right now as we are walking through the Lord's Prayer, taking it phrase by phrase. And I want to start out by reading out of Matthew 6, verses 9 through 11, um, just the part of the Lord's Prayer that we've covered so far and then the part that we're looking at today. So in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now, this last phrase in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, is the phrase that we're going to focus in on today. As with all these other phrases in the Lord's Prayer, on the surface, it looks pretty straightforward. It looks like a pretty brief phrase there. There's a lot really packed in there that Jesus is trying to communicate to us. And today, I want to look at four lessons that we can learn for our prayer lives that we can learn from this one statement, give us today our daily bread. And the first lesson for us to learn is that we must recognize that prayer is not all about us. We must recognize that, that prayer is not all about us. Now, in our, in our culture today, we live in a culture that really uh, values what could be called a consumer mindset. Uh, that, that, that we live in a very consumeristic culture where we tend to think that the world revolves around us. That, that other people, I mean, they, they exist for our well-being. That, that even God, he, he's out there to care for our needs. And we live with ourselves right in the center of our universe. And advertising uh, really feeds in this mentality. Um, when you go shopping, uh, the, the ads in stores and the people working there feed in this mentality of, you know, it's all about you. It's all about what you want. You look at a lot of the common cultural uh, things that take place in our culture, uh, especially things like divorce or lawsuits or abortion. 
If you really trace these things back to their root cause, oftentimes you can find some sort of self-centeredness that seeks your own desires at the, at the um, expense of others. You can find those at the root of things like lawsuits and divorce and abortion and things like that. We live in a culture that is saturated with the me-centeredness mentality. But it's not just our culture that instills this in us. It's also just our broken human nature. That from the earliest of ages, you see people who like to live for themselves, who are self-centered. You see in little tiny kids, that what's, what, to them, what's the world all about? It's about themselves, getting their own needs met. It's interesting to watch kids that, you know, I, I shared a few weeks ago, one of the first words that kids oftentimes learn is mine. Another word, um, it, it's a phrase, but it's usually condensed into one word that kids like is gimme. Short for give me. They, they, they said, give me that. I want that. I want that right now. And the same mentality of give me carries over into the rest of our lives as well, especially into our prayer lives, where oftentimes in our prayers, they become focused on, God, give me this. God, I want you to do this. God, please do this. We need to recognize that the reality is, uh, of prayer and of life is that it's not all about us. If you, if you look at what reality is, metaphorically speaking, God is at the center of the universe. And we all are kind of revolving around him, looking to what his will is, wanting to submit to him. Now, you may come back to this passage and say, well, it, it says here that we should pray for God to give us things. God, give us today our daily bread. So, so how can we say that, God, that prayer isn't about us? Well, I think it's important to recognize in this model prayer that Jesus gives us, where in the context of the prayer this request comes. Because by this point, verse 11, half of the prayer is already done. And the first half of the prayer was focused exclusively on God, saying, God, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So it's praising God, saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first half of the prayer is all focused on God and on his will and on his kingdom. It's only after you get past that part they actually come to the, to the first request that pertains directly to our needs or our wants when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. I think this is a very important perspective to keep in mind or else we naturally default into that mentality in prayer of God, please do this, God, give me this. And we focus all in prayer for ourselves and for other people rather than focusing on God's kingdom and God's will and praising him. This is one of the reasons why I really like the acrostic acts for prayer, A-C-T-S, for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Because if you follow this, it's another model for prayer. Supplication of asking God for things actually comes at the end. You have adoration, which is praising God. You have confession, which is confessing your sin to God. You have thanksgiving, which is thanking God for the things that he has done and given us. And if you do those things first, it's amazing how it transforms your perspective on the things you're asking for. I think of so many times when I, I start praying and, you know, I'm praying because something's weighing very heavily in my heart. Something may be causing me anxiety or concern. It's amazing the difference in my perspective and really my faith in God if I begin with that, um, with that concern Versus if I begin by praising God, maybe by med- meditating on a scripture that talks of God's glory or God's faithfulness, my perspective is radically different. And oftentimes, those things that are causing me a lot of worry and concern and really weighing heavily on my heart, they kind of fade in comparison with the faithfulness and the glory of God. They're put in the right perspective 
when we start out by focusing on God rather than on ourselves. And that's, I, I believe, something that Jesus is teaching us by putting this phrase, give us today our daily bread, halfway through the Lord's Prayer. Because it helps us to focus on God first and ourselves after that. So that's the first lesson that we need to learn from the Lord's Prayer. The second lesson that we need to learn from this phrase is that we must be aware to, that we depend on God for everything. That we depend on God for everything. Back in Jesus' day, this, this prayer for our daily bread would be a very practical prayer. Because they lived a very precarious existence from day to day. That, that, that most people in that day would work and they would get paid that day for the work they did that day. But they, they would make very little money. Um, you know, there was a very large lower class who were just barely scraping by in poverty. And as they were scraping by, they, they generally wouldn't be able to save much. And so the money they made today from their work today would be what they would use to buy food today or, or um, perhaps for tomorrow. But they wouldn't have enough money to, to save up to buy um, several days or weeks food at a time. And so if they got sick and couldn't work for a few days or if work was hard to come by, they would go hungry. This is very different in our culture today, isn't it? I mean, if you go to our freezers or our refrigerators or our cupboards, you could probably find enough food that in most of our houses that you could probably live for weeks on end. Very different. But in that culture, this prayer, forgive us today our daily bread, would be a very powerful reminder that, you know what? I depend on God every single day for my food. But there's a deeper lesson here as well. that uh, What Jesus has done here when teaching us to pray for our daily bread is to take really one of the most basic essentials for human life and say, you know what? You even need to trust God for this. And if you have to trust God for the most essential, basic thing of, of food in order to survive, you need to trust God for everything because we depend on God for everything large and small. Now, this reminds me of James 1, 17, uh, where James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So we're reminded that, that everything that we have, every blessing we have, comes from God. Now this summer, Shelley and I were traveling uh, to Minnesota and to Missouri to visit our families. And it was a very encouraging time. But it was a reminder of how everything we have is a blessing from God. Because... I was observing at one point when we were in Missouri, I was observing how much our extended families loved on our children, Micaiah and Tehillah. And I was just thinking, you know what, I'm so thankful for that. Thinking about where they'd come from. Um, I mean, being orphans, not having families to love them, and how amazing it is that now not only do they have parents who love them, but they have whole extended families. And I mean, here they have a whole church family who loves on them. How blessed are they to be able to have that? And they truly are blessed by that. But then I began to think, you know what? Yeah, they haven't done anything to earn that. They, haven't, they didn't do anything to facilitate their adoptions. I mean, they just, it just happened to them. It's a pure blessing for them. But it's the exact same thing for people like me and like you. I mean, if you were born into a loving family, if you were born um, into a place where you're given opportunities to grow or to thrive, you didn't do anything to deserve that. I mean, you didn't do anything to orchestrate the, the circumstances of your birth into this world. It happened. It's by God's providence. 
I mean, majority of us in this room were probably born in America in the 20th or 21st centuries. Think about the blessings that come along with that. Clean water, abundant food, employment opportunities, education opportunities, uh, a place where if you work hard, you should, I mean, for all practical purposes, you will be able to survive decently well. That's not something that's promised in a lot of other parts of the world. We live in a place where if you get sick, the odds are very good that there's uh, medical uh, medicine or expertise out there that will help make you healthy. You know, we may complain a lot about the government that we have here in America, but I'll still say that our government in America, as much as we complain about it, is still much better than the vast majority of governments throughout this world. We, we are very blessed to be here in this place and in this time. But for the vast majority of us, we had very little to no say in actually being here. We were born here. It's a blessing that we did absolutely nothing to earn or to deserve. Now, you may say, well, still, though, I look at my life. I have a lot. I've worked really hard for that. I've invested my blood, sweat, and tears to get to where I am today. I'm not lazy. I don't sit, sit there watching TV all day long, uh, just accepting care from others. I, I work hard for what I have. Well, I would say, you know, who gave you the ability to work hard? Who gave you the arms and the legs and the energy to do what you're doing? Who gave you a functional mind to be able to do what you're doing? It came from God. If he didn't give us those things, we would not have the abilities that we have. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul says, For who, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Everything we have in terms of blessings, in terms of resources, in terms of abilities, it came from God. Yes, we do develop skills. Yes, we do. We can work hard. But the basis for those things still comes from God. We are dependent on God for everything that we have. And Jesus says that we should pray this daily. Give us today our daily breaths. It's a reminder of our day-to-day dependence on God. So we need to recognize that we need to depend on God for everything. Also, we must cultivate gratitude for everything. Not only do we depend on God, but we need to give thanks to God for everything that he gives us. You're probably aware of back in the Old Testament, you had Israel. And, and for hundreds of years, there were slaves in Egypt. And slavery is not a good place for someone to be. And so God delivered them from, from slavery, but they were out wandering in the desert for a long time. And they began to complain. God, um, we remember all this good food that, that we thought we had back in Egypt. We want to go back there. We want some of that again. And God says, I'm going to teach you to depend on me. I'm going to give you this stuff called manna. They were wondering, what's manna? Well, he showed them, and it sustained them. And God gave them manna every single day. One of the instructions that he gave them is collect enough manna for you to eat today. If you collect more than that, it's going to rot. It's not going to survive. But you have to go out each morning in order to collect enough manna for that day. He's, he's trying to instill in them this, this day-to-day dependence on himself. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us as well, this day-to-day dependence on him. But one of the things that happened with Israel is that they, they still complained. They lost that sense of gratefulness to God for his provision out in the middle of the desert. We see in, in Hosea 13, verses 4 through 6, these are some of the 
in my mind, some of the more interesting verses in Scripture. God is telling about what, they, what happened to Israel and says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the desert in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud, and then they forgot me. See, we are dependent on God, just as Israel is dependent on God out in the desert. But when things start to go well for you, when you start to accumulate more and more stuff, you end up forgetting that it all comes from God in the first place. You become proud. This is what happened to Israel, and this is what what very easily happens to us. I mean, I think of myself. So often I, I pray for God to do things, pray for God to provide things. And then when those things happen, I forget to say thank you. I forget that that I'm dependent on him for all of those things. And that is why it's important to cultivate thankfulness. Part of giving, uh, saying give us today our daily bread is reminding ourselves that we are dependent on God, reminding ourselves to say thank you to God. This is one of the reasons why in our family and, and for a lot of Christians, you pray before meals to remind ourselves that yes, we may have worked in order to provide finances to, to buy this food, but ultimately... It all comes from God in the first place. So we need to say thank you. It, it cultivates this attitude of gratitude. And I think this, this attitude of gratitude is really one of the big difference makers in, in people's perspective in life. If you have a person who is very thankful for the blessings that they have, whether they have much or whether they have little, odds are good that they're going to live a quite joy-filled life. But if they don't have this attitude of gratitude, if they are not thankful for the things that they have, it doesn't matter how much they have, odds are good they're going to be discontent. No matter how big their bank account gets, no matter how many cars they have, no matter how much acclaim they get from other people, they're going to be discontent because they aren't thankful for what they have. And thankfulness helps us cultivate a healthy relationship with God. And so again, this is why I think it's helpful to thank God before meals that he provides for us. I think that's why it's helpful in practice that I found helpful is before I go to bed at night, just spend a couple of minutes in prayer thanking God for the blessings I experienced that day. Because that transforms a relationship with God and makes you more cognizant of the blessings that he does give us. Now there's a fourth lesson that I think Jesus wants to teach us here as well when he, te- when he says give us today our daily bread. But it comes from the broader context of the book of Matthew. And the fourth thing is that we must remember that bread alone will never satisfy. We must remember that bread alone will never satisfy us. Now he does say, give us today our daily bread. But this occurs in Matthew chapter 6. But if you went back a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 4, which took place not too long before the Sermon on the Mount, you see that Jesus is out in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. He's out there for 40 days. He, he's very hungry because he hasn't eaten for 40 days. I mean, we can all imagine that. We, we get hungry if we don't eat for like 40 hours. Um, but he hasn't eaten in 40 days. So he's very hungry. And Satan comes along to try to tempt him. And he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn into bread. Jesus had that capacity. He could have done it. But he said, no. For it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And there Jesus is saying that that physical food like bread 
provide some degree of sustenance, but that isn't enough to sustain the life that God has designed us to live. We also need to depend on God, and he is the ultimate source of life. And and think about it. Bread doesn't ultimately satisfy us. And you may be thinking, well, you're right. Bread doesn't satisfy. I I want a steak to go along with it. Um, I need some chocolate. I need my coffee fixed in the morning. If I can get those things, yeah, I would probably be a lot more satisfied than if you just gave me a piece of bread all the time. Yeah, bread. For me, bread's kind of plain. And those other foods are nice. But we need to recognize that food can't ultimately satisfy us. I mean, even Snickers bars, I mean, their slogan is Snickers satisfies. If you buy a Snickers bar, it says it right on there. If you eat a Snickers bar, it may satisfy your hunger for what? An hour or two? But that's going to wear off. You're going to get hungry again. No matter how large of a meal you eat, you're going to get hungry again. Shelly and I, probably the least hungry we ever were after a meal was in Chicago. Um, You may be familiar with Brazilian restaurants called Chahascarias. Um, when I was doing a mission trip down in Brazil, I, I became familiar with these. They are excellent restaurants if you like meat. If you don't like meat, you don't even need to go. Um, Chascaria basically in, in Portuguese just means, I, I think, someone along the lines of like meat restaurant. Um, but basically, you go there, you have a card, and you flip the card on the green side if you want meat. And you have servers walking around the restaurant, and they're out there serving meat. Um, I mean, you have like 15 different types of meat walking around the restaurant on skewers. And if you want meat, you just put, put your card on the green side, and they come by and say, okay, you want these lamb chops? You want this, this steak? You want this? And they just give you some, some choice meat. And we had some friends. These restaurants, if you go to the nice ones, they aren't cheap. Um, we're talking at times like $50 for a plate, which in my book is not cheap at all. But we had some friends who wanted to take us out there for Thanksgiving dinner, no less. And so we went out for Thanksgiving dinner to this. And I mean, we ate for lunch. I, I don't think we ate um, for like another 48 hours. Um, and we did not get hungry during that time. But it was, it was an excellent meal. It stuck with us for a long time. But still, we got hungry again. Because physical food, bread, steak, meat, coffee, chocolate, Snickers bars, they, they can sustain us for a little while, but they cannot ultimately satisfy us long term. Nothing in this world can ultimately satisfy us long term. Think about it. If you pursue money as your, as your sense of worth and well-being and your satisfaction, if you pursue nice cars, if you pursue popularity, if you pursue certain awards in your workplace or in your school, yeah, they, they may offer some temporary satisfaction. I mean, some nice little pat on the back, um, a sense of warmth and well-being, but they aren't ultimately going to satisfy. That sense of satisfaction is eventually going to wear off. Because nothing in this world can ultimately satisfy us. That's why Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so when Jesus is saying, give us today, that we should pray, give us today our daily bread, he's saying, you know what, it's perfectly all right to pray for the things that, that, that are temporal, that are earthly, that may cause you anxiety here. But he also says here and other places, you need to make sure that you're praying for more than just that. Think of John chapter 6, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. There he's saying, you know what? Yeah, the, the bread that you eat here, the food you eat here, the other things you pursue in this lifetime, in this world, 
will not ultimately satisfy you, but I will. Jesus alone can give us true, lasting, satisfying, joyful life. This is one of the reasons, when we bring it back to to the topic of prayer, one of the reasons why when people share prayer requests for things like medical needs or financial needs, why when I'm praying for those things, I, I pray for more than just that. Yeah, we have connection cards here in their bulletins. And, and each week, many people, 10, 15 people, fill out prayer requests on the back of the connection cards. And each week, I also get emails with prayer requests. I get uh, maybe phone calls with prayer requests. And the majority of the prayer requests I see are for temporal things, uh, for, for medical needs, uh, for financial needs, for employment needs, for relational needs. And these are not unimportant. Jesus, or Paul tells us, um, if you do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, present it to God with prayer and petitions and thanksgiving, and he will give you peace. And so we're called to present all of our requests for all these different things to God. But when I'm praying for these prayer requests, if you put down a prayer request for employment or for medical issues, you need to know that I'm not just going to pray for that. I will pray for those things. But also, when David and I, Pastor David and I pray for these things, We're praying also for spiritual growth. We're praying that God will work through this to draw you closer to him. Because even if if you are healed of your medical issue, even if you get your dream job, even if God digs you out of this financial pit that you're in, you won't ultimately be satisfied. Yeah, you may get the job, but pretty soon if that is your focus, in not very long you're going to be yearning for something else and something else and something else. You're going to have more medical issues down the line or, or other things are going to come up. Only God can ultimately satisfy and so that's why um, I advise you to do the same thing that I do with that is when someone asks you to pray for a medical thing or a health or, or financial thing or something like that, pray for that. But also add to that a prayer that God will use that circumstance to draw them closer to Christ because only he can ultimately satisfy. Now, now in conclusion, we here at Freedens, we talk a lot about adoption. You're going to see where I'm leading with this in just a minute. We talk a lot about adoption um, for a variety of reasons. One is that we have a lot of families in, here at Freedens who, who have adopted children or who were adopted when they were children. Um, we, we care a lot about adoption because it's near and dear to God's heart. We care a lot about adoption because we have our Forever Families Ministry, which is about orphan care and adoption. Um, just a little side comment. Our, our Forever Families 5K run and silent auction and bake sale is coming up on September 21st, so please mark your calendars for that. Now back to the sermon. Um, we care about adoption too because it's a rich biblical metaphor for our relationship with God. That no one is naturally born into God's family, but, but everyone who is one of God's children has been adopted into God's family. Now one of the aspects of adoption is this topic called attachment. Attachment, it talks about the relationship between a child and the parents. Uh, it's a deep trusting relationship that biological children typically naturally have with their parents. You think about it, biological children have had nine months to bond and attach to their parents before, before they even exit the womb. When they exit the womb, they already know the voice of their parents. They already have that natural trust for their parents. But adopted children don't automatically have that. And so uh, adoptive parents have to work intentionally to build the attachment level, the trust level, the dependence level between children and the parents. And the perils of not uh, getting that level of attachment 
is that oftentimes it even has to do with the way the, the brain becomes wired over the course of time. And it's an emotional thing too. Or if a person doesn't learn to attach to others, to form those deep trusting relationships, especially with the parents. They can grow up, they can be outgoing, fun, uh, kind to others, friendly. But oftentimes there are struggles in deep, trusting, intimate commitments to other people. In marriage, in employment situations, in friendships. I'm not saying it's always the case, but it's a general trend that you see. And so that's why adoptive parents oftentimes will try to work really hard to build that attachment level through very intentional choices. Like with Shelley and I and our children, uh, we do, there's something called regression. That, that our children came home being able to hold a bottle for themselves. But we would, when we gave them a bottle, we'd give them a bottle perhaps even to an older age than you typically give children bottles, partly so that we can hold them in our arms and hold the bottle and look into their eyes and form a, a, an attachment level. If you have older children who come home being able to feed themselves, oftentimes it's recommended that you do not let them feed themselves at first. Even if they're four or five years old, don't let them feed themselves. You feed them in order to teach them dependence on you as the parent because you're trying to help them learn to depend on you. This is one of the reasons why when our children came home, we didn't let others hold them for at least the first six months that they were home. Because we wanted to teach them that we are someone special that we can, as their parents, that they can depend on us. Because naturally orphans are very independent, very strong-willed, and they will go to anyone. And they, they've learned to do what needs to be done in order to survive. Even, even a one-year-old orphan, if they've been in an orphanage setting, has already learned to depend on themselves. They've learned when I cry, people aren't going to respond. When, I, when, I'm cry, when, I'm, when I'm crying at night... When, when a normal loving parent would come and, and care for their child, I have to soothe myself to go to sleep. These are tendencies and routines that, that orphans build up in themselves that, that parents need to work to, to decrease that sense of independence and increase the sense of dependence on the parents in order for them to have um, a better chance of just having healthy relationships later on. Now, bringing this back to our relationship with God, what Jesus is trying to do when he's teaching us, give us today our daily bread, is to break us of our independence. Because we all, uh, as human beings, even when we are adopted into God's family, we still have that independent streak. We still have a strong will. We still want to do things our own way. And Jesus is teaching us to depend on God. To pray, God, I pray that you will provide for me. God, I thank you that you're the one who's given me the resources and the abilities and the life circumstances in order to live, in order to thrive. God, I also recognize that, that I cannot um, be satisfied by anything in this world, but I need you to be satisfied. That is what Jesus is trying to teach us when he teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And my prayer for each one of us is that we will attach to God as our Heavenly Father, that we will not try to live independent lives, trying to do it ourselves, but that we will trust Him with absolute dependence, knowing that He is faithful. I want to close by reading a couple verses out of Psalm 73. It's verses 25 and 26, which, which shows the heart of a person who is attached well to God. Psalm 73, 25 and 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May we have that same heart where we say, you know what? The things on this earth, they can't ultimately satisfy, 
but God does. He is my strength. He is my portion. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to lead us in praying together the Lord's Prayer before our closing song. Our Father, we thank you that you are a faithful Father, that you do provide for us, and we thank you that you invite us to come before you with all of our anxieties, all of our requests, whether earthly or eternal. Lord, today we do want to lift up those in our midst who are dealing with a variety of different challenges. God, we think of a couple of women from our congregation who are in the hospital right now. We think of Dorothy Yersky, and we lift her up to you, praying that the doctors will have wisdom to figure out what is taking place in her stomach to cause these problems, Lord. We pray that you'll give them wisdom and give them the ability to heal her, and we pray that you ultimately will heal her, Lord. We lift up Sandy Sternhagen and thank you for the successful surgery that she had on Friday. And we, we pray, Lord, that you will enable her to continue to heal well with no complications. And we pray also for Bob Gantner uh, as he is dealing with another Crohn's disease flare-up. We pray that you will heal him, not only this flare-up, but also this Crohn's disease so that he can live with a good quality of life here. But, Lord, we also pray for these three individuals for their spiritual growth, that through the difficult circumstances they are facing, that you will help each one of them to recognize that they can't depend on themselves or even on medical doctors ultimately, but ultimately, Lord, you are the one who can sustain them and who can satisfy them. Lord, we are excited about the baptism picnic today. Thank you for the people who are going to be baptized, for the fellowship that we'll share there. We thank you that you're God who transforms lives, and I pray that the life-transforming work of the gospel will be very evident at the baptism picnic today. Now, Father, as the Lord Jesus taught us, we join our voices together praying the prayer that he taught us. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand and sing about God being more than enough.